Edward here, ready for another episode of Soccer, Foot, and Football. I am very happy to introduce this podcast today, uh, mostly because it is an interview with Professor Andre Markovitz from the University of Michigan. He is an absolutely spectacular professor. University of Michigan is very lucky to have him. He does great work on comparative politics, German studies, and more. Obviously, he does a lot of work as well with sports and politics, which is why I was fortunate enough to interview him. Uh, I actually came across his book, Gaming the World, uh, by himself, Andre Markovitz, and Lars Rensman, uh, when I was preparing or, or doing research for that uh, big research project that I've been sharing snippets with you in terms of European cosmopolitanism and soccer and all that. So I uh, read his book, Gaming the World, as part of that, and I highly, highly recommend it. I'm holding it in my hand right now, and it's available on Amazon still. I just checked. Um, so I definitely recommend giving it a good read. If, if you're in quarantine or anything like that, need a good book, pick this one up off the shelf because it's, uh, it's absolutely a great read in terms of if you like soccer or if you find politics interesting – then definitely pick it up. I mean, he, he has other works as well, such as Offside, Soccer, and American Exceptionalism, or uh, a more recent book that he worked on uh, called Sportista, uh, Female Fandom in the United States. So any of those, I think, are, are fantastic reads um, and just some of the examples of what Professor Markovitz uh, works on. Um, in terms of this podcast and the interview... Uh, the f- initial goal of the interview was actually just for me to get some more information and to to talk to the professor about some of the issues that I was exploring for my research paper. So some of the bits that I'm putting in this podcast might seem a little choppy or the transitions might not be as smooth. But essentially, I just cut it up into four parts based on what I felt seemed the most natural. Um, and without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and play part one which is about um, his book, of course, which is also about uh, soccer fans in general, as well as some of the uglier sides of being a soccer fan and what it means to be an authentic soccer fan. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, He had some really great insights, and that's why I'm trying to share them with you today. So without further ado, here is Professor Andre Markovitz. to write the book was actually a follow-up to the uh, my first book offside why there's no soccer in america and it's really a comparison of it's not only about cosmopolitanism and counter cosmopolitanism that's one chapter mm-hmm. um it's about how um similar and yet different these cultural spaces are how they are on some level identical they're all male da, 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 one after another founded in basically more or less at the same time, uh, uh, working class, uh, all of this. And then, yet, they are also um, create different languages. Uh, I've actually written a lot about language and sports. Mm. And uh, they're different languages. And they are, 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 you know, baseball is not cricket. It's close, but not that. And they both are very different from the ball-related sports. And uh, those within the ball-related sports, they're the various codes of football, of which soccer is just one. Um, 
So it's basically really an attempt to to show the global nature of sports, uh, meaning on the one hand local, on the other hand global. That's what the book is about. And in fact, it argues, or what it argues, that soccer is both. It has highly uh, global dimensions and highly local dimensions, and the local dimensions are often very ugly and um, and not getting any better. And um, yeah, so that's that's the, the that's the essence of the book. Okay, so at the end there, you said that uh, the the local dimensions are are ugly and aren't any aren't getting any better. So do you think that? the local dimensions in terms of some of the examples you go through in the book, like discrimination and racism and things like yeah. that, do you think yeah. they're getting worse? I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't uh, done the research anymore, so I don't, but it's bad. Um, I mean, now, who knows? Everything is abated. I mean, it's uh, like a literally the, the earth shook uh, as of early March, so God knows what will happen. Um, Part of me actually was very interesting, was delighted to see soccer matches played with no publics. Um, I was thrilled about that. Um, Why is that? Not, because they're ugly. Because they're, they're, there's some very nasty things going on in, at these matches. And they're often not, not visible to the untrained eye. And uh, I, you know, I think... Um, I thought that this would, I mean, it's obviously horrible in some ways to see it like that because, you know, sports need uh, 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 clearly spectators. And that's, uh, but I only saw a couple of those matches. But on a, on a weird level, on a very weird level, I actually thought to myself, hey, uh, maybe this will, um, you know, uh, create a hiatus and uh, um, tame some of the... Um, cosmopolitanism that is so prevalent and by the way only in soccer that's actually very interesting actually i'm just coming out with a new piece on this comparing it for example to rugby um, only in soccer um, and and uh, you know so that's a very interesting um, uh, phenomenon that uh, if this massive counter cosmopolitanism does not exist in rugby does not exist in or very little um, and um in fact, you, um, there's a great um, uh, part in the study in which, uh, um, on the uh, in Coventry, uh, it's one of the very rare places where um, the soccer team and the rugby team have the same pitch, literally. Uh -huh. And I interviewed a, um, a steward who works both on Saturdays and Sundays, literally in the same section. And in, uh, on Saturdays, uh, you know, she is, you know, busy taming people. They're racist. They're just obnoxious. They're horrible. It's unbearable. And literally uh, on Sunday, um, uh, often the same people, literally the same guys, uh, and actually with alcohol in hand, which rugby allows and football doesn't, um, they're fine. They're, you know, jovial. They, they tease each other or whatever. They, but none of this, you know, deep-hated, deep-seated, uh, you know, disgust that goes on. I have a doctoral student here at Michigan who's writing a great, great dissertation on uh, the, the uh, treatment of R RB Leipzig in Germany. I mean, it's, uh, it's unspeakable. Um, and 
uh, you know, how the sense of modernity is somehow seen in football as um, uh, the, the um, something that has to be fought all the time, and which is which is okay, but which always, uh, almost always, assumes authenticity. That's the point. Authenticity is identified with basically with ugliness, with counter-cosmopolitanism, with exclusion, with um, uh, rejection of any kind of of uh, sort of uh, change in some ways. So um, yeah, that that's that's. That's actually a lot of that is not in the book, but that's been that's published. The book was published in 2010, so right. which means, that, of course, the research was done in 2006, seven, eight. You know, it takes a long time to have these books out. Yes, of course. So, so where where was that incident with the with the steward you interviewed? This is at that uh, in Coventry uh, Stadium, a uh, Ryko Park, I think it's called. Um, Anyway, th- this is just one example. I mean, there, there, there are many examples like this. Right, right, uh, of course. I- I'd love to read that piece once uh, once you release it. It's, where can I find it? You can't find it because it's not out yet. Um, right, I mean, so I where will, will I be able to find it, I guess? Well, is a better question. I, I, hope, I hope soon. I mean, you know, these uh, it's coming out in an anthology, and, uh, you know, they're dragging their feet. And now, again, with this uh, um, COVID-19, all bets are off. Who right. knows? I mean, for all I know, maybe the publisher has actually gone bankrupt. I, mean, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I read the galley proofs. It's it's already, you know, so actually it, it exists or it's in the pipeline. Whether that'll be out in May or next May, I have no idea. Okay, right, right. Well, ho- hopefully I'll find it once, it's, uh, once it comes out. But well, why do you think that is, that soccer uh, has... I actually, actually I, 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 I will send you an article, a piece I wrote on this. And it actually includes that, but in a much smaller way, this RICO thing. Um, there are lots of reasons. Uh, I have ten, I, I think I list seven in the article. Um, in, in this other, it was actually a lecture I gave in Berlin. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's the most tribal, um, uh, many reasons, actually, by the way, very political much more so than American sports, although Americans, but, you know, in terms of parties or pubs or... And uh, I actually have come to the conclusion, knowing these things, having followed these things for 71 years, maybe my entire life, that it's also something to do with the low scoring of the game. Uh, Okay. Meaning uh, the... uh, Because I never... Again, triggered by this rugby comparison, and when I also go to rugby matches... I mean, it's a different class, of course. Rugby in England is a very, you know, upper upper middle class sport, and mm-hmm. you know, the old British, uh, the English saying, of course, is that football is a gentle sport played by ruffians, and rugby is a rough sport played by gentlemen. Is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a tough sport, but played by gentlemen. And Oxford, Oxford and Cambridge don't play soccer against each other; they play rugby against each other. And um, I mean, they may play soccer, but that's not what the big deal is. That's not right. the, the varsity game. Um, at Twickenham Park. So, um, uh, I actually think that the low scoring has something to do with it. I really do. Uh, meaning that the tension is so high, and from the get-go, that, um, uh, 
you know, I would love to at some point have, except in this day and age it's impossible to do, but I'd love to have, uh, you know, someone from the medical school here, you know, have me um, tied up to a, you know, heart rate machine and, and uh, you know, blood pressure and whatever at a Manchester United, New York Yankees, and Michigan football game. And the hypothesis is that the one at Man United is much higher. Because from the get-go, it means, you know, you score a goal in the third minute, that could be it. You know, um, yeah, uh, yeah, foot, I guess so. uh, you know, and and then in, in, in football, you know, Ohio State scores a touch. I mean, lately it hasn't been the case. Michigan has lost, I don't know, 13 of the last 14, but it doesn't matter. But you get the idea. In other words, uh, the other team scores a touchdown, even two touchdowns, first 15, 10 minutes, it's not over. Um, and the same, um, uh, you know, with, with, with virtually all other sports, much more high scoring. And that leads to a certain tension that is higher in association football. And so I think actually it has something to do with the nature of the game itself. Again, I've never seen anything detailed on this, and you know I would have to one have to would have to do a lot more research. But I'm actually more and more convinced that it's one, not all. I mean, clearly the history and all the other seven items that are this and the the the, the um, uh, density of teams uh, in proximity is crucial. Uh, you know, I mean, these are all very, very close teams, which in America, again, doesn't exist. So, again, in comparison to the United States, um, you know, it's uh, other than New York, Chicago, and L.A., uh, there are literally no, no cities with multiple teams. Um, and even there, you could argue is that in, uh, in baseball, they play in different leagues. So, mm-hmm. it, uh, and, and we know that the, the more proximate the rivalry is, the bit more bitter it is. It's always the case. Um, so that's another reason. There are lots of reasons. Uh, formed in through political parties, they are identified with an ethnicity, they identify with a religion, all these things which do not exist in America. I mean, Red Sox hate the Yankees, the Yankees hate the Red Sox. I've been doused by beer in, in, in Fenway Park in the bleachers, but it's not not because I'm, you know, the Yankees are Protestant and the Red Sox are Catholic or because they're, you know, um, represents a certain uh, discourse and history in America that Boston detests. It's just not like that. It's just, you know, they're rivals. It's, it's, it's part of the, it's, it, it's just, it remains basically tied to the sport with very few tentacles into other things. And that's actually also part of the game in the world. When so- in soccer, it's more pronounced. That it actually stands for, you know, uh, Protestantism, or it stands for this, or the so-called Jew clubs, which have nothing to do with Jews anymore, but Ajax Amsterdam, and, and NTK Budapest, and uh, Austria Wien, and, uh, and uh, even Bayern Munich are constructed, uh, AS Roma, constructed as the Jew clubs. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so uh, there is no such thing as in America, really. That's going to do it for part one. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you did, go ahead and come back for part two. Um, But in the meantime, enjoy Professor Markovitz's book, Gaming the World. Again, it's on Amazon. I'll leave a link in the description of the podcast. Um, And go ahead and give it a good read. Uh, But that's going to do it for today. So thank you all for coming. I hope you stay healthy and well.